everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Today we are looking at Mark chapter 14, and in very typical Mark fashion, this moves very quickly. We are going to go from Jesus being anointed uh, to the Last Supper, to Jesus' arrest, uh, to his like essential essentially his trial before the high priest. Like a lot happens in this chapter and it moves very quickly. It's like the cliff notes of the story of Jesus and his death. So I don't I don't think it would be possible for us to hit every single individual story. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll hit some of the high points. I think one of the things I'd like to talk about first is this really interesting the the, the starts out in verse 3 where this woman anoints Jesus with extremely expensive nard, which is like a costly perfume for dead people. And she pours it on Jesus' head, and the disciples are furious um, because they're thinking they could make some money with it. Um, But Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah. So I think in prior books where we've read this story before, um, Jesus kind of reprimands others for these things. But in, I guess he does speak to what she's done, but it just seems like it's really just like fast forward over. You can find this story uh, also in Matthew 26. It starts in verse 6. And it is unique because she's doing this thing. She's anointing Jesus with this oil. It's very expensive. People are very frustrated with the money. Um, and and they, I think, rightfully call it out. Like, it is a strange thing. But Jesus basically uh, recognizes what she is doing. And in the same uh, the same way, I guess, communicates what's going to happen to him. He says in verse in verse eight, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So we've heard that before as well. Yes, Matthew records the same thing, and we are doing exactly that. Like we are talking about what she did. We are fulfilling this prophecy of Jesus. But what's interesting is Jesus recognizes her loyalty, her worship, but he also is again explicitly telling the disciples, "Hey, the end is coming. Like my death is imminent. We need to be ready for this." Remember, he just said, "Stay awake." be prepared. Um, So somehow this woman appears to understand what is going on and does this incredibly expensive act of worship. Sometimes people will try to use verse 7 to say we don't need to care for poor people, uh, but that's a really poor use of that verse. So verse 7 says, for you will always have the poor with you, and wherever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. That's not a verse of Jesus saying like, hey, don't worry about poor people. Don't worry about taking care of people who are less fortunate than yourselves. It's actually Jesus drawing attention to the fact this woman is doing a wonderful act of worship and she should be recognized. It's not him saying like, don't worry about it. Don't take care of people. We've been commanded to take care of poor people from the very beginning of the law in like Deuteronomy. So after this section of Jesus being prepared, um, we go into, I think, I feel like this chapter specifically has some like random, strange details that have been added to it. Um, maybe not strange for this next one as much, but it, I think it's something that was maybe dug into a little bit more. Um, just this interaction between Jesus and, or excuse me, not Jesus, Judas and the Pharisees or the chief priests. So he essentially tells them that he will do 
this thing that they want. And it says that they were glad and promised to give him money. So I am that like when I heard that, I imagine them just being so excited, like finally we have found the way, which I mean, they didn't find the way at all, um, but they finally have this way of getting Jesus. And what's really crazy is that we move then right into the story of the Passover with the disciples. And this is, in my mind, just supposed to be like this this calm and comforting time for all of them. This is something they all would have done celebrating this feast. Um, and they're all doing this together. Like this is almost like this this band of brothers that are, you know, doing this this thing that they all would have celebrated together growing up. So it's really strange to have this underlying thread of someone's going to betray Jesus in this what seems to be like the safe time for them to all be together celebrating this feast. Um, And one thing that did catch my eye about the feast specifically is that the disciples are like, well, where are we going to do this? Like, where are we going to have our feast together? And I think we can, again, take this for granted all the time. Verse 13 says, he sent them and said, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. So first off, like, you're just supposed to be looking for a guy with a jar of water and awkwardly follow him, I guess. Um, And then it says, and wherever he enters, say to him, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? So I think there's just like extreme faith, even in these moments, because I feel like if those were my directions, I would have been very... Um, hesitant and probably not as willing to do that. I don't want to go freak somebody out and be like, hey, I'm just following you around. Wait until you enter your house. Um, But those were the specific instructions that they did follow through on and were able to find their place for the Passover meal. There are so many, like as we read the story of Jesus, there are so many like tiny little miracles that just get passed over. Like you, you read about Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. Uh, you read about him feeding the 5,000, but there's like so many tiny miraculous things that Jesus is constantly doing. And he knows about this guy that's carrying a water jar to help them figure out where to have the Passover feast. It's, it's pretty significant. And if you met somebody that just did that, you would be like, wow, what a, what an interesting person. But Jesus is constantly doing things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing to note is that before they get to the Passover meal, Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what I was saying earlier. Like there's this weird thread of like discomfort. And they might not, they might not be aware of that. They Mm -hmm. might not know it, but Judas certainly knows it. And in Matthew and here in Mark, um, he has done this beforehand. So before they even go in to have dinner, Judas already knows what's going on. He already knows what he has done. And so does Jesus. And so does Jesus. And so the other disciples are surprised, uh, but Judas and Jesus are not. So very quickly, we, we have the meal. Um, Jesus tells Peter that he will deny him. And like it feels like right away we're in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is telling them to to watch and pray, like stay alert, be awake. And they're not. They, they are not staying awake. They're falling asleep constantly. Um, what's interesting about what happens in the garden is Jesus is essentially pleading with God to allow this cup to pass from him. Um, he's asking God if there's any other way this could be accomplished. Uh, and if you remember all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was out being tempted by Satan in the desert, 
uh, Satan was basically telling him like, hey, there's there's other ways to do this. You don't need to worry about doing it exactly the way that's laid out. Like we could just short circuit this or make this faster. So it's interesting to me here that Jesus is um, overwhelmed with grief about what is in front of him, but he does recognize that he is submitted to the will of God. He's going to do what God has intended. Um, and, there, and he's not going to, you know, change the plan. Mm-hmm. And then one thing we can, I don't know, stop me if I'm going too quickly with this. Um, but I think some things that caught my eye were, so we have, obviously they're in the garden. Um, <clears throat> the people eventually come to take Jesus away. Judas comes out and kisses Jesus. Um, the infamous, I feel like, yeah. Down in history, yeah. the one who kisses <laughs> is the one who is uh, the bad guy instantly. Um, but anyway, as this is unfolding, we always hear about this instance where Peter is the one drawing the sword to chop off the ear of the servants of the chief priests. And um, in verse 47, it says, but one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And I just thought that was interesting because it's always like, well, it was Peter. Like, why Why aren't we just calling that out? Um, but it is interesting that Mark just says one of those who were standing by. Uh, shortly after that, it's like as Jesus is being taken away, there's this really strange set of verses. There's two verses, 51 and 52 of Mark 14, that talks about a young man who was following along, um, following along Jesus after he was taken away in nothing but a linen cloth. And as they seized this young man, the linen cloth was removed from him and he ran away naked. Like what a random verse or verses to be added to us. Like it just feels so like out of place. Um, but weren't you saying there's there's some speculation that it may have been Mark himself? Most people believe that it was Mark himself. I'm sure there's other theories as well. but most, Because it doesn't show up in any other gospel. Either. Right. It's possible that he included this just to have some kind of personal commentary. Because he doesn't call out who it was. Um, it that, Like he's including this detail for some strange reason. So the prevailing theory is that this is Mark just including himself in the narrative, recognizing where he was. Though it is a quite embarrassing or strange (laughs) detail. Um, And it is only in Mark. This is not showing up other places. So it's unique to this gospel. um, And it's, it's possible that it's related to him or I don't know, maybe, maybe he heard about this happening and wanted to include it. Regardless, it's strange. It is weird. So I think it was odd that between verses 43 to 52, where we have the no name Peter and this no name guy that is running around naked, like, all of the characters just seem to have lost their names for a moment. Um, but then we jump right back into it where Jesus is being basically tested and tried um, for his crimes. And he refuses to say anything. So there's constantly, this, this is really interesting. If you notice that lots of people were coming with their testimony, but it says mm-hmm. in verse 56, for many bore, many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. They were not and consistent. some stood up and bore false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And in three days, I will build another not with, made with hands. So it's interesting that they're trying to bring false accusations against him, but those accusations have to agree according mm-hmm. to the law, and they don't. So this is like failed attempt after failed attempt after failed attempt. Jesus remains silent until they finally ask him, um, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus says, I am. 
you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the pass of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Um, it is possible that in his answering just I am, um, people would have been very offended by that. Mm-hmm. That's how uh, God addresses Moses. Um, but it's at this point that the high priest is very fine with uh, accusing him and sentencing him uh, to be killed for blasphemy. So as we're thinking about how Jesus was accused, how he's being beaten for these things at this end of this section in Mark chapter 14, um, you wouldn't actually notice that there was some reference to Isaiah. Well, Isaiah 53 is talking about this instance. Isaiah 53 is looking forward to the Messiah figure that will be the suffering servant. And Isaiah 53 has a lot to say about what's going on here. Uh, So this is what Isaiah 53 says. Uh, We'll start in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and his wounds by, and by his wounds we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his all of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Um, if you want to look at the rest of that chapter, that whole chapter is really compelling when you think about what's happening to Jesus uh, and that much of it is happening to Jesus, like not by his own hand, like he could mm-hmm. not have caused this to happen and could not have purposely caused this to line up, you know, like if he was lying about who he was or, you know, if he was, if he had been studying Isaiah 53 and was thinking like, oh, I'm going to make sure this happens to me. Like it's, it's out of his control Mm -hmm. and it lines up so much with what has been prophesied as the Messiah and the suffering servant um, that he's not going to speak up and that he is going to be beaten and crushed, that he is going to be like not recognized by humanity like but rejected by humanity like it's just it's really interesting how so much of Isaiah 53 is present here in Mark 14 and um that I mean you just can't ignore it and it is really important to what we believe because you have this Old Testament prophecy looking ahead to this Messiah that Jesus is now fulfilling so I think overall your part today would just be to um, consider how a lot of these parts of this story, although quick and very jam-packed in chapter 14, there are a lot of faith-affirming um, parts to what we believe in chapter 14 alone. So take some time to listen to this um, on your own or read it yourself to really take in all of these different parts that were either prophesied about, or even just the things as simple as Jesus telling the disciples to walk down the road and and follow someone into their home to find a place for the Passover meal. Um, Just remembering that we serve a God who knows all, he is sovereign and above all, and is worthy of following in our own lives today. So thanks for joining us for chapter 14. We'll be back with chapter 15 tomorrow. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Mark chapter 14. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went into the city, and found it just as he told him. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass for him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
and he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him, and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this testimony they did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do you need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him, and to cover his face, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him, and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. 
Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you.